Okay. Good afternoon. Good happy Valentine's Day. This is Andrea, nothing but fantasy. I'm here with Lou as always. Well, I wouldn't say as always since we're two days late on our podcast this week. Yeah, we're a little late, but now we, we've kind of we got the schedule kind of rolling. I think we're going to clock in, what, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern now? Is, I think that's the plan. I'm not sure. I, uh, I think so, but I did put us in whatever day you said. I put us into the schedule. So any of you out there that I didn't talk to yesterday, I think I talked to um, Ditka, Sausage, Fantasy Sports. I talked to Real Fake Baseball, basically just trying to put a schedule together. And then once we get a schedule together – and anybody that wants to fill in for shows and change their schedule around, that's all good. They can fill out the schedule themselves, and, and then we'll get our little network going, and everything will be great. We have a couple new shows that we're going to be announcing here in the near future, so we're excited about that little thing that we're doing. And you know Lenny's excited about it because it's his favorite thing in the whole world to do. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, with a schedule, not only will we all have our time set, but we can, I'm sure you'll be posting that somewhere on the website LennyMountingFantasySports.com so that all the listeners can check that out too and no one to be in the chat room. Totally, totally agree. Lou and I are in a draft right now. Do you have the draft pulled up? Oh, oh, I do, Andrea. I mean, I've I've been I've been watching this one person been on the clock for almost three hours. Uh, I was actually talking to B Don. I was like, someone messaged this guy, but I think the only person who has his contact is Donkey Teeth. Where's um, Donkey? So we're, Donkey. I don't know. We're uh, we're waiting on this guy the, the uh, in the sixth slot in the draft um, because our end of the draft, Andrea, from B Don, Shoeless Joe, myself, Walter, you, um, and Mike Etchin Table, um, we've all been pretty quick. I would say our end of the draft is kind of flying, and the first half of the draft is really uh, really slacking on us here. So this is a mock draft, right? We're getting ready for this big invitational tournament. And by the way, anybody that's representing Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports, I got lunch on you, people. So let's go get it. I know Bidon is going up against Steve Gardner. And everybody's league seems to have like a couple really good, really um, intimidating people that they have to go up against. So um, let's see. So here's what I'm doing. I Honestly, I've done a lot of mock drafts. And I think that the most important thing to remember when you're doing mock drafts is that the best thing to do is try new things. I mean, that's what the, these drafts are for. So maybe you want to try, like, punting, say, depending on your league that you're getting ready for. Maybe you want to try at this round in the draft, we're going to do pitchers. We normally don't do pitchers till this round. But we're going to try it in this round and see what type of hitters we can get later. You know, maybe maybe we'll change our, our draft attitude. Because every year it does change somewhat. No matter if it changes a lot or if it changes a little, there's always changes. Uh, and definitely this year, there's significant changes in the way that you should put together your team roster and all of this stuff. So um, my my goal right now in this draft is to is to win the draft. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm sick and tired of like really trying to put together a good team because, you know, there's like that one person on steamer projections who's not going to live up the rankings. And once we're done with the draft, the projections are what gets posted so nobody really ever looks at your team they only just look at where you're projected to come in and so i figure it like this i know where we get our projections from and i know what they're using to um come up with these like which site they're using which which projections they happen to be the steamer projections from fangraphs so i'm looking at my draft like this i want to win the draft i don't even care if i have a great team and it kind of defeats the purpose i know but when people see these drafts and they see my name at the bottom it makes me look bad 
I mean, that that's true. That's a good point. I mean, I always go into any sort of draft trying to win it, but for this one specifically, um, I think I'm picking 12 in the great fantasy baseball invitational. Walter had taken the 12 slot, so I took the 13 slot, kind of just to give myself an idea um, of where guys would be going and kind of have an idea of who I would have to take at certain instances. So, um, Unlike some of the other mocks I've done where I've done what you said, try new things, this one I'm actually trying to kind of go um, and trying to – I'm going to try and replicate as much as I can the team that I have right now in this mock that I can for um, the actual um, drafts that are coming up. And so far, I'm really liking what, what I've done. I like what I have. I don't have any closers yet, but typically in snake drafts, redrafts, I don't go for closers until the second half of the draft anyway. So um, I'm kind of on par with that. So I am keeping track of this draft in Rotowire software. There's a lot of different softwares out there. I was talking to a guy just uh, yesterday or the night before about He's got Masters Ball software. He's got Rotowire software. I mean, there's Fantasy Alarm has some software. Uh, who else has software? There's a lot of softwares out there, basically, just to keep track of, like, you know, where you stand as you draft. It's really nice to be able to keep track of uh, your home runs and your and your targets, basically how far are you from hitting your targets and what the other teams are doing as well. So um, according to this little handy Rotowire software, I have Walter in first place, Etchin Table in second. You are in third, and I'm in fourth. So we got that going for us. Yeah, I mean that's that's looking terrific so far. I can't uh, I can't argue with that. Um, Paul says he loves his team out of the eight spot. Doesn't think he's punted anything. Definitely can't punt anything in these leagues. I agree with him, and I loved his first two picks. He's has potentially a hundred home runs and like two hundred something RBI. So just Judge and Stanton alone. Those were his first two picks. I remember. Paul's a Yankees fan like me, so I was paying attention to him taking those Yankees. He also grabbed Billy Hamilton at some point to add the speed there. So he's got um, a lot I, of um, offense, but he's he's lacking in the pitching yeah, department. He, he started which, late with pitching, but he's still um, he's still um, he, he still grabbed a couple decent guys. He also has Posey, Abreu, Andrews, and Ender and Ciarte. Yeah, he's he's very deep offensively. You're right, pitching maybe lacking a little bit, but a lot. He can grab a couple. Um, good arms now because there's other teams out there that have three four um, starters already so I mean obviously they're going to be going for pitching at some point but um, so have other spots to fill and Paul can kind of clean up in some pitching as I wonder progresses. we'll see how his draft does progress it's interesting because um, in my opinion like this season one of the big changes that that I've well, first I read it about it in the forecaster, the baseball forecaster, and then I started really noticing other people kind of doing the same thing in the industry. Like mid-tier pitching, starting pitchers are such a liability to your roster that it, I wonder what Paul is going to do as far as getting. He's going to have to make up wins somehow and strikeouts, right? So you're going to you never chase wins, but you definitely are going to chase some strikeouts. Whether you get them from a starter or, or a relief guy, it matters because a starter is going to get twice as many as any relief guy. But if you are stuck with putting only mid-of-the-road starters on your roster, it's going to crush you as far as your ERA, your whip. Basically, last year, Ron Chandler went through the whole thing. Um, there was, like, very few pitchers that even made it to 200 innings. The ones that did make it to 200 innings were also giving you 200 strikeouts. But the ones that pitched 150 innings, like the between 150 and 200 innings, those pitchers are the ones that were like 
very hurtful because their ERA is like four something and they have, you know, 200 innings. So a good chunk of your innings are coming from these pitchers and it's really going to affect your um, ERA and your whip. So my I'm, I'm trying this theory out to get like maybe three decent starting pitchers, three good starting pitchers. You know, um, it's a matter of opinion what you consider good or, or decent. And then but load them up with solid believers, you're saying. Guys that give you 80 innings or so, but strikeouts, great ERA, and whip. And then kind of my theory, too. Yeah, like a bunch of effectors, you know. Um, I'm definitely and going you mentioned, to... You mentioned that you don't like to chase wins, and I agree. You shouldn't chase wins, but there is a way to do that in a sense. If you're going to go after a good pitcher, and let's say there's three guys on the board, I'm going with the guy who I think is the best, but also who's on a very good team, too, because obviously you the better your... team you're on as a pitcher, if you're a good pitcher, you have a chance to win. So for me, my three pitchers I have so far are on the Indians, the Astros, and the Cubs, who are probably three of the top five teams in baseball. Oh, that's good. Uh, Lenny would always recommend Lenny would say if he was here, which I think he's here, but he's not on the microphone. He would say go for National League pitchers. Um, it does matter. They usually have a, a an ERA that's lower than American League uh, pitchers, and that's because the DH spot they don't have to worry about it. All they have to worry about is uh, pitching against the pitcher in the National League. So National League pitchers are always a good thing to to go after. But yes, it's interesting. Paul Martin is doing very, very well. And uh, he's right. He's ranked right below me on the Rotowire software, just in case you were wondering. And then B Don's right after him. So we got our whole little thing. I won't even say where fantasy Phil is because he kind of, he's a, he's a basketball guy anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, somebody gave him crap for drafting Travis Shaw, right? And then, you know, in you the, know what though? I liked, I actually liked his reasoning behind it though. What's his reasoning? His reasoning was was the steals, um, and not that Shaw is a burner, but he'll get you double digit steals. And quite frankly, um, home runs and steals are a good way to try and win fantasy leagues. Like I kind of went with a similar approach when I took my first four hitters. I took Correa, Starlin Marte, Byron Buxton, and Domingo Santana. They're all good for 15 to 20 home runs. Correa could go closer to 30. Same with Buxton and Santana. They're all going to get steals. I took Ruvnet Odor, um, a guy who can hit 30 home runs, also steal. Say goodbye to your batting average. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going with the power, um, the RBIs, the runs, and the steals. And you can't really predict batting average, though. I mean, a guy that. I mean, you, how do you, you not? With certain, you can with certain players, but I mean, um, is he one like of them? Buxton, for instance, a guy like Buxton, oh. for instance, you think yeah. he hit what, like two fifty something last year? Um, chances are he's not going to be any worse than that. But if he's getting better, as and in my opinion he is, yeah. he might be a 280, 285 type of hitter. And then I got a much better player than when I took him. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you what you intended, what you mean by saying that you can't predict average is when somebody is still growing having growth like Byron Buxton is a perfect example he's only 24 years old there's a good chance that he um, could still improve his batting average especially when you look at his minor league numbers he had a very good batting average from the majority of the time so we'll have to see but um, Byron Buxton is interesting he doesn't even wake up until like August so I just won't draft him I just won't but um, by the time that I'm ready to draft trade for him. Then this owner is going to be so annoyed by him that they'll give me like, they'll give him to me at a discount because I'll be like doing them a yeah, favor. I mean, that, that's fair because that's what he did last year. But I think he's too good and too talented to kind of just not do as much the first half. And no matter what, you know, you're getting tons of steals and that twins lineups loaded. He's going to score a ton of runs too. 
Uh, Paul says that he thinks what you're trying to say is that average doesn't correlate strongly, but I disagree. If you're talking about whether or not a player is going to always have, look, once they're grown, once they're like, once they're 27 years old, 28 years old, their batting average is not going to change. It doesn't fluctuate that much to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but I've never noticed a batting average to go from, you know, high 290 to 240 and then back again. I've just never noticed it. Usually it tends to even out after several years of being in the major leagues. I would say maybe two years of playtime in the majors and or three years, and you got pretty much the batting average that you're going to spend your career with unless you decide to fix your launch angle and all of this crap. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. So let's well, move Paul, on. Paul, Paul brought up a guy who I have specifically on my team in Roofnet Odor. His average dropped drastically last year, but he's shown in the past to be more of that 260 to 270 type hitter. Last year he hit around 200. I expect him to get closer to that career average rather than last year. He hit under 200 in three separate months of the season, so um, he was one of the worst among hitters. I his strikeout his strikeout numbers are getting worse. That's not a good sign. Um, he did have a really he had a, a really low batting average on balls in play, which could obviously is going to affect his batting average. But to say that he's going to be much better than a 200 hitter, I just don't I don't know. In 2016, he did hit he he had 600 and Five at bats. He hit two seventy one. What the hell happened to him well, last year? Lenny brings up on base percentage, but and it's a good point with Odor. But if you're not in an on base percentage league, I don't really care. It's a very I good mean, point with Odor, and this is something that this is like Todd Todd Frazier ish. That there are some players, very few, but there are some that have such like for Odor in an on base percentage. He's not even he's not even rosterable, and he's never been rosterable. Like if you even look back when he had a decent batting average, he still had a, his on base percentage was still under. 300, which is horrible. So in that particular year, in 2016, he was absolutely rosterable in an average league, and he was not rosterable in an on-base percentage league. He's still obviously not rosterable in an on-base percentage league, but but I think Well, I think he's rosterable. He's just not going to go as high. I mean, any middle infielder that's still hitting 30 home runs and stealing 15 to 20 bases is worth rostering. I don't agree with that. I just don't. I don't think that 275 is okay to roster ever in an on-base percentage league. If it's not even over 300, it's not rosterable to me. But it, I, I see what you're saying. There are obviously positives. The guy steals bases and he hits for power. Um, his power is, is totally real and his he steals bases. That's real. Those two things well, are real. I got him at pick 100 and something. And last year, I think he was probably going in the 40s. Um, so obviously, he's taken that hit from his, his average last year. Yep. But Rufnet Odor at pick 103, which is where I got him. Did you own him? Speed combo. Have you owned him? Last year? Um, no. I did not own him last no. year. I owned him the year before. Right. Well, if you owned him last year, you would hate him. And that's only I, – I never owned him before last year, but I did own him last year, and he goes through spurts. He's one of the most frustrating players in baseball, especially if you're in, like, a head-to-head league. He's useless some weeks. He's totally useless, and all he's going to do is just hurt you. You know what I mean? But, like, in Roto, obviously he has assets, so – and his average draft position is, is at the point where it's totally justified taking him. 
That's my opinion. The one thing I saw in the draft, and I don't want to call anybody out, and I'm glad I don't remember who it was, but someone took Felipe Rivera, um, who could be a good closer, but he took him before some more steady closers like um, like the two I got, Edwin (laughs) Diaz. Um, I got two Wade great closers. Davis. I mean, those Rysel Iglesias, Cody Allen, all those guys, Brad Hand, Ken Jones, Colomay, all those guys went after Rivero. And I was kind of shaking my head a little bit at that pick. I like Brad Hand pick. I was actually looking at him myself, and I know Paul Martin's in the chat room right now. I'm pretty sure he's the one that – oh, no, it was Beaton that got Brad Hand. Um Paul Martin took someone that I thought was good. Well, Paul disagrees with me. He thinks Rivero's the number five closer – why? Um, Can I, I ask? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. You'd have to ask Paul. Put it or, in the chat room. Or Lenny specifically. I'm not against Rivera. I think he's a good closer, but I would take a guy with a little more um, experience under his belt before I would take him personally at, at that pick. Um, I see that he doesn't have much competition in that spot, so that's a plus. But it basically, let me check it out. What it says here on Rotowire, he's got... He added velocity, which means a zero to me. If he can't have movement on the ball, it means nothing that he upped his fastball to 98 miles an hour. I don't think Lenny is going to be a good person to ask because he doesn't really he doesn't really care to spend money on closers. So um, he shaved his walk rate from 3.9 walks per nine to 2.4 walks per nine, which is a pretty nice chunk off. And he averaged 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, his fielding independent percentage was 2.47, which is 13th. Among 355 pitchers with at least 50 innings, okay, fine, but a closer should have a low ERA. And he took the job from Tony Watson, converting all but two of his 24 save opportunities. He's 26 years old. Let me look at his numbers. So um, I just oh, don't. I, I, I like Rivera. Don't get me wrong. I but think why he's would very, he? I think he's. I think he's very good. All but, I'm saying. No, is I'm with you. you. I don't get. The, yeah, if you have the opportunity to take a guy with a bit more of a track record um, at that pick. That's that's where I'm going. Because I totally agree with you. As I don't. Long as I, I get, I'm, I'm not saying go with a guy who could lose his job, but I mean, I don't think Osuna or Brad Hand or Colome, for instance, are going to be lo- Wade Davis. They're not going to be losing their job anytime soon, and they're more steady and more predictable to me. Well, that's the thing. You have very little. Um, you have very little. Uh, you know, time as a closer to go by here with him. He's got one. I mean, he's had like 20 saves his entire career, which is he's he's 26. So, but he's got what he's been in the it's been around for a while. I gotta hide his minor league stats so that I only have his major league stats up. But he's pitched in the major leagues for three years. His ERA last year was in 2016 was 4.09. That's really bad. But his feeling independent percentage was 3.32. This past year in 2017, I hope you're not expecting to get the 1.67 ERA that you got last year because it's just not probably going to happen. His his feeling independent percentage was 2.51, which isn't bad, but it's not like a 1.67. So I wonder. Uh, the the rise in velocity is a little bit weird too. How do you just go from 95 miles an hour to almost 99 miles an hour? How do you just how do you do that at 26 years old? You just all of a sudden get uh, plus plus his strand rate was huge, 84.1 percent strand rate. His normal strand rate. I don't know if that's something that goes your strand rate. I guess that would have to do a lot with the people behind you more so than anything. So strand rate, it's not crazy. But so, yeah, is Paul writing in the chat room? I want to know what he has to say about what. Oh, he had a 3-9 ERA. He had a 3-9 ERA. Change in mechanics. Okay. 
Hey, Unholy Toledo, what's up? Nice to see you. Very nice to see you, stranger. Go ahead, Paul Martin. I'm waiting for an explanation. Let's talk about Darvish, and then we'll talk about Arietta because they kind of really go together, don't you think, at this point, the conversation? I kind of think that they do, yeah, especially after the the rumor, at least, that Arietta turned down the similar offer from the Cubs before they offered it to Darvish, which what? has me scratching my head. So the other day, I, just, I was in the mock draft, and Arietta went fairly late in the sixth round pick. He went in the middle of the sixth round, basically. But he went after Paxton. He went after Wood. He went after Carlos Martinez. He went after Otani. I wonder, I, I was just like staring at Arietta and I thought, what the hell? Am I missing something like that nobody's telling me about this guy that he's this bad? I mean, nobody likes him. Nobody wants to sign him and nobody's drafting him. Nobody's drafting him, but I mean, at the same time, he has regressed over the past couple of years. Um, for an AL team to take a chance on him, I know he's a different pitcher now, but his numbers when he was in the American League with Baltimore were dreadful. Just how, like they were awful. But how so old was he? I, mean, he? I, I don't. I don't know his exact age, but I mean, I think he's turning thirty-two in March. He was twenty-six, um, and so he, he he wasn't he wasn't. He's like incredibly young when he was struggling with the Orioles. Um, yeah, he won a Cy Young award, um, but I mean that happened in 2015. It's not like he's it's not like he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher at this point with Arietta with Darvish. Um, he's pretty much been terrific and consistent throughout his whole career outside of those two kind of um, hiccups in the World Series there. But six years, 150 million seems like a lot, and I think it's a good signing for the Cubs over the next three years probably gives them the second best rotation in major league baseball only behind the Astros probably, but at 25 million a year in this fourth, fifth and sixth year, um, he's going to be in his mid thirties. And I don't think he's going to be pitching to that level. The Cubs are going to be sorry um, in, you know, 2021, 2022, when they have that on the books, because he's, he's just not going to hold up. He's already had the Tommy John surgery. I think we've seen the best of him already. Um, he's also going to be 32 this season as well. But you look at their rotation, at least for 2018, with Lester, Darvish, Hendricks, and Quintana, that's a really good one through four. I could say this. Darvish is, uh, what, he's 31 years old? Um, Darvish has 832 innings pitched since he's been in the majors, which I can't remember exactly where he came from, but I'm almost positive that did he pitch? He, he, he came from another country, right? Korea. Did he? Darvish is Darvish came from Japan. Okay. So he came from Japan, meaning that he had innings on his arm before that, right? He had Tommy John just recently, so we could say that he's got a brand new elbow, and that's great and all. But did Arietta have any kind of Tommy John or anything? And he's he's got fairly low number of innings on his arm, considering the number of years that he's been pitching. Yeah, that, that that's true. He has, um, but he also again he was struggling. He was going up and down between the majors and the minors when he was with Baltimore. Um, since going to Chicago, he's been I guess pretty steady with regards to his. Um, oh wow! To his innings, but the latest rumor on him, and I'm sure everyone else in the chat room has heard it, is that the Nationals are interested in him. And 
Um, I think that's very interesting because if you look at them. Yeah, you look at them with Scherzer and Strasburg already, Geo and Roark. If you add a guy like Arietta, and I know he's not. I've already said he's not what he once was, but he's still he's still steady. If you put him in the three spot in that rotation with the weaknesses in the NL East, I mean Washington's going to walk away with that division, and okay. then you get into the postseason, and you have. One, two, three with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Arietta. I don't know if anyone's beating the Nationals in the in the um, in the playoffs either. I mean, that's going to be really tough to beat. I wish that they would. Okay, so fine. They got Max, but I just don't think that Arietta is going to help them out that much. So it's like adding it's like adding Stanton to Judge. It's just it's not going to give you double the point. It's not going to give you double in home runs. It's probably not going to give you double in RBIs or vice versa. It's not going to do it. It's just going to add. It's going to make your team better. But how much better? It's not going to be double better. Adding Arietta is not going to be like they already have Scherzer, Strasburg, Gonzalez. But they don't right now. Their fifth starter is AJ Cole. It's it looks like it, it, it's it's a mystery. Um, I love what they have one through four. Um, yeah, they could go after maybe an Andrew Kashner for a year or something, but it, they're a team that really should have already been to a World Series and probably won one. I agree with and you. If they want to, if they want to take the chance and finally try and get to that next level, adding a guy like Arietta to stabilize the middle of the rotation heading into the playoffs as well. I mean, that's their best bet with the free agency market the way it is right now at trying to build a championship roster because they have all the rest of the pieces. So while I look here at these payrolls, because payrolls are important this year, especially this year, but payrolls are important all the time to teams. I mean, I think about the teams that need a starting pitcher, and the first teams that come to my mind are Brewers and the Twins. And I know for sure that, the well, according to John Heyman, I, the Twins did offer Darvish the same type of uh, $100 million, right around $100 million, it was five, five years. years. It was five years, $100 million compared to six and 150 So I... There's there's a, there's a, there's an extra year with the cops and significantly more money annually. So they both made uh, these offers. Brewers and Twins offered Darvish the same about the same amount, just a little less than he signed for. But about the, what Arietta is going to want? How much is Arietta asking for? Is he like trying to get like two hundred million? Like you know our boy Hosmer? What's he I doing? Would think he, I would think he's looking at a very similar contract to what you Darvish got. This is what he would like. He just not, in my opinion, there's no way he gets it. Why would Darvish get it and not Arietta? Because Darvish has not seen a drop in velocity or his command, and Arietta has, and it's well documented. Wait a minute. So that's is okay. Hold on a minute. Darvish had to see a drop in his velocity. Well, maybe his velocity is back, but he had recently had Tommy John surgery, so it's not um, – he's probably better than it was. Let me look at his velocity. His velocity is looking – yeah, uh, actually in some of his pitches it increased. Let me look at Arietta's velocity. Is this a big, big enough deal for people to not sign him? I don't know. Let me look. I mean, I, I, at the amount of money he wants, yeah, you mentioned the uh, Brewers and the Twins, though. And at this point, they look like they're looking for um, a pitcher maybe through the trade market. And I know they offered a package surrounding uh, Max Kepler to the Rays for Chris Archer. Rays don't really seem intent on trading Chris Archer. Um, and although Archer is an ace... He's making well below what aces make, and he's on a very team-friendly contract. So the Rays probably aren't interested in moving him. But there is Jake Odorizzi, and 
there's been rumors surrounding him. They've gotten interest to raise from the Brewers, the Twins, the Yankees, and the Orioles. Probably a lot more teams could jump into the mix. The problem with that is that you don't really see a lot of teams make big trades like that once spring training begins. I mean, the last time we saw anything even close to it would have been when the Braves sent Craig Kimbrell to the Padres, but that happened in mid to late March, not in the first week of pitchers and catchers reporting. So to swing a deal like that right now doesn't seem very feasible. So with Arietta, it's super interesting to look at his pitch selection that he uses and, and the num- like the percentage that he uses each pitch. He only uses his fastball, or he has in the last couple seasons, 3% last year. He used his fastball 3% of the time. So then he has a sinker, a changeup, a slider, and a curveball that he uses, but he mostly uses his sinker and his slider. He, he, the, the fact that he only throws his fastball 3% of the time is super interesting to me. He started out throwing it 33% of the time in 2010, but for the past few seasons, he's really gone, cut it down to like super low 3%. Who, who uses their fastball 3% of the time? That's crazy. Maybe I just don't look at enough pitch selections. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, I mean, guys. I mean, when guys, um, when guys like their fastball, they like to throw their fastball. I mean, the, yeah. the way the way, the, uh, the way I learned about baseball growing up is every pitcher is going to work off their fastball for the most part. Maybe unless you're Chris Archer, you or Arietta. Yeah, Arietta. I mean, most most guys are throwing that fastball, then throwing their slider, or curveball, or changeup off that fastball. So heavy fastball is not really um, this is not really a surprise. Um. So, yeah, his fastball speed went down a little bit, but it doesn't really matter because he only uses it 3% of the time. His fielding independent percentage was not good at all. It was in the fours, 4.2, and um, his ERA was 3.5. So, yeah, there's something to be scared at there probably. See, for me with Arietta and B. says Arietta uses sinkers fastball, which is correct. Um, obviously, he's, he's a big Cubs guy too, so he knows. Um, when Arietta was right, he reminded me a lot of – when um, he rest in peace, Roy Halladay. The guy had so many different pitches. Everything had movement on it, and the command was spot on. Problem with I see with Arietta now is that he has a lot of movement on his pitches, but he's not locating anymore, um, and that's yeah. leading to him getting hit harder yeah. or walking more batters. Well, he's not walking more, but he's definitely allowing more home runs, like uh, twice as many as he ever really, you know, since he's been good. So there is some – there's – there are a few things to worry about with Arietta, but the where he's going in draft and how far he's dropped down, I would certainly take him over some of these other pitchers that have, were taken. And I mean, that's just a matter of opinion, but his his track record alone. And now that I know that he doesn't use his fastball, I think that the wear and tear on his arm is is somewhat less because of the fact that he uses breaking pitches mostly. And they're like 88 miles an hour, you know, rather than trying to throw your elbow out you know, with, with fastballs. So I don't know. He's definitely going to get signed. I have no question about that. Whether he goes to the Nats, the Brewers, or the Twins, whoever gets him is going to improve vastly, especially if the Brewers, the Brewers really need him bad. Well, Arietta, where did he go? He went 84th here. So he went before guys like Garrett Cole, Jose Barrios, Tanaka, Stroman, Luke Weaver. So that's that's kind of expected. Um, you took Luis Castillo, by the way. He was a guy I really wanted to take. Dude, um, I knew if I didn't I get him. Castillo before I take Arietta. And I know that kind of goes against my whole track record thing that I was saying earlier with closers. But to me um, – Castillo's on the rise and Arietta's on the decline. So I'm always going to go with the guy 
who's on the rise. I knew if I didn't grab Castillo that Paul the Martin was going to be sweet up on that real quick. So I decided I'll go ahead and go there. Um, yeah, so uh, Minnesota was trying to get uh, Archer. We already talked about that, right? Archer is for sale. I do think that the twins or the, the Rays are going to se- get. Don't you think that they want to sell him? I don't know what they're doing. They don't know if they can win like Baltimore. With but Archer, they keep- with Archer, no, I, I don't think. I don't think they're getting rid of Archer just yet. He's con- he's he's making half of what, um, maybe even less than half of what Darvish is making right now. He's on way too good of a. Of contract for the race to just ship him off right now, but with well, what, a Odorizzi, it's a different story. Yeah, but can the, do it all depends on whether they think they can compete. I mean, what's the point of holding on to the contract if you don't really think that you can compete with them? Why not just continue to build? The Rays have no clue what they're doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, personally, I don't think they can compete. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Picada projections either, but they have the race finishing in third place in the East, I think, and that's a little crazy, winning 84 games. I think they're more like a 65-70 win team. The Brewers got their their total salary, their total adjusted salary is $83 million. Okay, that's like one Kershaw and one um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, Ryan Braun is getting paid the most money, but $83 million, that includes Kane Yelich, Yelich was obviously on a great contract when he came there, but the two highest paid players, only two players making over $10 million. $83 million for the Brewers. Let's see what the, what the Twins are p- paying out. Um, I'd be shocked if the Twins were spending any more than that. What, but for me, the Twins, after that Irvin Santana news with him being out for the first four to six weeks of the year, they should be even more desperate now to add a starter because outside of Barrios and maybe Gibson, um, I don't trust their rotation. Yeah, they're in a weak division with the Royals, Tigers, and the White Sox behind them. They can probably get by. But if this is a team that wants to get back to the postseason, they need to add another arm. So the um – the chances of Washington Nationals signing Arietta are so slim, I can't even tell you. Because if you look at Minnesota's payroll, they're under a hundred thousand, a hundred million. Uh, Washington Nationals are at one seventy three, and that is really close to the. You know, they did. I don't think they want to go over again. They went over last year for the first time, I believe, and right now it looks like they can manage to stay under it. But if they add a free agent, I mean, at least in a trade, they could relieve themselves of some salary too. At the same time, they could. One team I want to talk about quickly before we get into. I know you have a bunch of uh, JD Martinez things to talk uh, about. Yeah, potential, whatever. Potential free agents Punk. as well that could be cheaper options. But I just want to talk about the Texas Rangers quickly. Because, okay, go ahead. Um, they're kind of a team that's on the bubble right now, so to speak. I think they're closer to a rebuild than they are obviously competing. Yeah. And I read something the other day that Andrews could opt out after 2018. Beltre's a free agent after 2018, and Hamels has – Texas has a $20 million option on Hamels for 2019. So to me, I look at Texas. After Cole Hamels, what's their rotation? Outside of guys like Odor, Mazzara, Gallo, not much young talent with potential star-studded abilities there. You look at Beltre, he's been the heart and soul of their team, but he's either going to retire after the season or probably go somewhere via free agency and take one last shot at winning a championship. He's the type of guy to me that could be a very hot commodity during the regular season if Texas gets off to that slow start. And that's just kind of the same thing with Andrews because he had his best most complete season last year if he can replicate it or even build off of it there's a good chance he's going to opt out and test the free agent market too and if Texas thinks he's going to he's another guy that could be a trade candidate come 2018 so I'm actually predicting a Texas Rangers blow up this season where they just go on a fire sale 
it's going to be very interesting because they don't need much to push them over the edge to where they can't compete. I mean, they're so close to not being able to compete that I don't foresee them adding anything, any pieces. You know, I just don't. They have a lot of youngsters on this team. And obviously, like you said, Beltre is going to be gone. And those other two are going to be probably gone. Um, there's not a and lot. There's of- no way. There's no way if they're in a rebuilding situation that they're going to take that $20 million option on Cole Hamels because he might be the ace of this staff, but there's no way he should be considered an ace at this point. He's been declining. He's not worth $20 million for 2019. He's coming off the worst year of his career, 4.20 ERA, also through the least amount of innings in his career since his rookie year back in 2006. So, um, I mean, I think they'll be happy to get the Hamels contract off the books after 2018. So that's another guy that if he's even pitching half decently, they could try and trade him, too, because there's always that need for starting pitching during uh, during the season and come the deadline, especially a guy like Hamels, who has tons of postseason experience. His option kicks in, guaranteed option. He'll get paid um, guaranteed in 2019 if he pitches at least 200 this year. And what did he pitch last year? Do you happen to have any of that available? Because I believe it was a, a just around 150 in innings or so. It was I maybe mean, I think it was actually 148, and I'm I'm going to pull it up right now. Because he's not going to hit it to the show. Yeah, he had 148 um, innings last year. It is worth noting that in 2016 he had 200 innings, and the year before that, when he was with Philly and then traded to Texas, he had 212. And since 2010. He's thrown over 200 innings every time except for last year. But that's where I come back in with the potential decline. He's also 34 years old now. And he's not getting any younger. And he has a ton of mileage on that arm. There's no way they're going to let him. Well, so first of all, even if he wanted to, I highly doubt that he will. He has to get between last year and this year, he has to get 400 innings. He only had 150 last year, so that not means happening. Yeah, he would not have happening. to. Yeah, he would have to pitch. And you look at him; he's he's 34. He's thrown almost 2,400 innings. That's a lot of innings piling up on on an arm. He's definitely got a lot of innings. So he's. Uh, we can assume right now that his option for 2019 is not going to kick in because there's al- it's almost impossible for it. Plus, he not only that would he have to pitch 250 innings this year, but he would also have to end the, the season not on the disabled list with any kind of shoulder or elbow injury. Which, if you're going to tr- go out there and try and pitch 250 innings, you could better believe that you're going to end up on the DL. <laughs> Um, certainly at, at his age, absolutely. But now let's get to the uh, – we have probably 10, 15 more minutes here. Let's get to the uh, J.D. Martinez stuff because I, I, I'm I know, very I know annoyed. you don't like this guy. You're very annoyed with him, and I know you have a lot to say. I mean I have I have a couple points I want to make of why I think he's not going to Boston and why I think he's going to Arizona. But before we get go, to that – Go. Please do. Go ahead. Okay. Feel okay, free. I'll go with it. I mean with Boston um, – I mean, obviously, you can assume maybe he and Scott Boris are kind of just trying to put some pressure on the Red Sox. Yeah. It's also worth noting that at one point, it was rumored to be a five-year, $125 million offer from Boston. Since mm-hmm. then, though, Ken Rosenthal, I saw him on MLB Network, he said that uh, it was actually closer to five years and $105 million, which is, I mean, over five years, it's not a huge 
difference, but it averages out to only about 20 million per season rather than the 25 million per season, which to me is not something he's going to take. Whereas with the D-backs, they haven't necessarily made a formal offer yet, but there's rumors that they're willing to offer something um, for many less years, but a larger annual salary. So they could offer this guy maybe 30 million a season for two years. Um, then JD would be able to skip next year's crazy free agent market and retest the market in 20. Um, 20 while also making 60 million dollars over the next two years also giving arizona an opportunity to re-sign paul goldman when they have to because they won't be tied into martinez for the long term not even last year did he get a full season of at best but he seems like he's typical i don't know it just seems like he's not the two years before last year he did have a full season of at bats he had 650 in 2015 and he had 517 plate appearances these are plate appearances but just relying on him to stay healthy all season is probably not the He's also not a very good outfielder either. He's not that good defensively. He hit 45 bombs last year, which he never even came close to. In 2015, he had 38 home runs. But I uh, let's just assume that J.D. Martinez had his ultimate career year last year. So, yes, he should be on the market with the, asking for the highest amount that he'll ever probably ask for because he did have a career season last year. But if you're the Red Sox, uh, and first of all, $125 million in five years. He's going to be then 35 years old by the time this contract ends. And you know he's going to be totally worthless for like at least two of the end of it, two seasons. His contact yeah, rate, I mean. His, possibly. His very, con- very possibly. I mean, the, the thing for the Red Sox is simply that everyone harps harping on them because of their um, terrible power outage they had last year and obviously the quick fix would be well let's bring in one of the best home run hitters in the league last year but all right outside of that um outside of that there's really no reason for boston to go after him um donkey t 35 isn't that old i would agree with you donkey that's t, fine but you know but, what but it's- when we're talking about a guy who might have to play the outfield who's already not a great outfielder there's more risks for injury um it's different. If he goes somewhere where he is pretty much a DH, I think his career could last a lot longer. Um, I, I it could, absolutely could, and I don't think that the National League team is even going to be willing to sign him unless it's Arizona. But you know, he's now he's now acting like an ass down in Florida, to, like telling people that he's getting annoyed with Boston. He doesn't want to go there anymore because they won't take the offer that you know because they won't make a better offer. And it's like, who are you, dude? I don't think you're in charge of this conversation. I don't think you're in charge of what the Red Sox are going to decide to pay you. And honestly, he does hit home runs. But let's go ahead and go and take a quick look at all the rest of the home run hitters that are available for free right now that are going to be a lot cheaper. Like Logan Morrison, he hit 38 bombs last year. Mark Reynolds hit 30 bombs last year. Melky Cabrera, he's another guy that hits. He's being totally ignored. Do you need 30 home runs in Boston? You would like it. Do you necessarily need it? No. Is it going to make or break your chances of getting into the World Series? Probably not. I mean, they did have the least. They had they had such bad home runs last year, and they are obviously need to address this problem. But I'm thinking a guy like Logan Morrison, 38 home runs, is he, what? How much is he going to cost compared to, to J.D. Martinez? It's just for me, it's like where do you get Mike Napoli's available? Uh, Batista stunk last year, but at least you know you're going to get something from him. At least he'll hit some home runs. He's a veteran presence in, in the lineup, and he came from Toronto, so he's got that working for him. He's already used to American League East pitching. Um, okay, I, I see where you're going with it. I, I do. 
And yeah. you're not wrong in what these guys can contribute, but none of them can contribute across the board outside of stolen bases. That's not true. He can. There's certain not guys true. that can hit for power. That's not guys true. That can hit for average. A guy like Melky can maybe hit for some average and some power, but in comparison let's, to JD, he can't. Let's talk about Mike Mustakas, Logan Morrison, and JD Martinez. Let's put them, the three of them together. We could even put Mark Reynolds in that conversation if you want. Last year, JD Martinez. Don't, hold on a minute. Hold Mark on. Reynolds. He just was in a, Colorado last year. So fine. Just keep that in mind. He also had 97 RBIs. He had 82 runs, which is J.D. Martinez had 85 runs. Fine. He's not going to hit like he did in Colorado. Take off what? Five. Look, I'm, I think the best comparison here would be Logan Morrison. With 601 plate appearances, a 13% walk rate, which is better than Martinez, a 24% strikeout rate, which is lower than Martinez, 85 RBIs, and he was playing for the Rays. So if you put him on the Red Sox, you know, it all depends on whether or not these people are getting on base. But uh, just whether it's J.D. Martinez or Logan Morrison, still the same number of runners are going to be on the bases when that guy comes up to hit. So if J.D. Martinez can somehow managed to do 100 RBIs in Boston, then Logan Morrison should be able to do the same thing because it's all about the runners that are on base before you get up to hit. But you're talking about Logan Morrison as if he's guaranteed to hit all those home runs. When you take a look at his career, he's 29. It's not like he's 25, 26 years old. Um, this is a guy that his career high was 23 yeah, but he never in 2011. Had That's fine, but he didn't have – Full-time play. He never had a full-time job until last season. So I'm just saying, look, if you if that's the only thing that we're concerned about him not hitting 30, we always knew that he had power. But when you're only getting like 290 at-bats, you're not going to hit for power. You're not going to get 38 home runs. If he, Do you think that he's capable of having another 512 at-bats next year? I mean, it all depends on where he goes. Um, Paul would like the Yankees to sign him. I'd be cool with that because I'm with you, Paul. I don't know if I don't trust Greg Bird to stay healthy. Um, with, yeah, like the Yankees need another home run hitter. I just, like I need I a just, shot in my heart. I just don't know, Andrea, if we can compare JD to Reynolds or Lomo from just um, just based on um, what Lomo did in one season and what. Mark Reynolds has done at times in his career because he's also had some really down seasons and he also does not usually hit for a high average. He did a, did so last year for his standards in Colorado, but I don't care Mark if you Reynolds hit for is a guy that, yeah, he might come in and hit 30 home runs somewhere, but he also might hit 210. That's fine. I want a guy that has three true outcomes. That's what I want on the Red Sox. That's what the Red Sox need. They don't really need a guy to get on base and do all this average bullshit. They just need a guy that hits bombs and that's, look, I'm not saying that Lomo is ever going to compare to J.D. Martinez. Obviously, out of all of these players, J.D. Martinez is the best one. But when you're talking about the difference in the amount of money that he's going to cost a team and the and what he's going to provide to them, the, there's a big there's not that much difference in what he's going to return to the team. Yes, he's probably not going to get 38 bombs, but if he got 30 bombs, who cares if he gets on base? Who cares if he has a good average? As long as he hits the ball out when people are on base, right? Yeah, and I agree that they can obviously be had for a lot less money. You brought up Mike Moustakis, too, and I guess he could kind of fill into that role. He had a big home run season last year, too, but he also comes with a draft pick compensation, unlike some of these other guys, and that's hurting his value even more. Oh, absolutely, And it, but the Red Sox are probably looking at it like this. The longer Mike Moustakis sits out there without a job, and the fact that he comes with a, a draft pick, that really does turn teams off. It matters more than it ever has, and... um 
So what do you, you think about the difference in what he's going to cost between him and J.D. Martinez? And I think that really when we're comparing players that Mustafa's is probably the the most capable of doing it. Again, he's, he's got some underlying stats that aren't that great. He's obviously not growing anymore. He's, he's pretty much peaked. But he still hits bombs. Whether he strikes out a lot, whether he swings at everything, he still hits bombs. And that's what the Red Sox need. Honestly, I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this from you and from the chat room. But yeah. I think if the Red Sox don't get J.D. Martinez, they should try and get Jose Bautista. Because right-handed power in Boston with the short Porsche, she still has the power. He still takes a ton of walks. Put him into that lineup. Um, he, he's going to – he's still an imposing presence. He's still a tough out. Um, I think Jose Bautista would be a good fit for the what? Red Sox if they don't, in fact, go after um, a guy like J.D. Martinez. Well, and they could get him on a one-year deal. They definitely could get him on a one-year deal. I, I, I do not think that he provides the one thing that the Red Sox need the most, which is bombs. And, yes, he has hit bombs in his, in his past. He hit 23 home runs last year or something like that. He, his batting average is absolutely horrible. But I see what you're saying. I just feel like if they don't get Eduardo Nunez, then they could just kiss the season goodbye because that means the Yankees are going to go get him. And I can't even tell well, you that. Well, how does Nunez help the Red Sox outside of filling in for Pedroia for the first month or two? Well, he plays you know, all – yeah, but they have they have players for all those positions and good players at that. And Nunez isn't a power threat. He might bang out fifteen home runs or, or so, but he's not a power threat. And they have they have speed. They have bets. They have um, Benatendi. They have Jackie Bradley Jr. Bogarts can swipe some bags. Um, I mean, to here's me, the deal. I, I to need me, them to get Nunez. Nunez. Is, I need them so to get. So he doesn't go to the Yankees. Yes, that's your only real reason. That's, Really, it is. It's absolutely my reason because if the Yankees get Eduardo Nunez, it's over, dude. It's over for the Red Sox. They're that close, dude. They're that close. If they address the need that they have in the middle of the infield or, you know, on the third base side, this guy plays second base, third base, shortstop. He could just play the whole damn left side. If they get him, it's over, dude, for the Red Sox. And that exactly, addition by subtraction, do not let them get him. Because they will, because he can afford, he can be afforded by the Yankees. Um, I mean, fair, I'm going to throw up. That's a fair point, but to me, for Boston, I'm going to be as blunt as I can here. Go ahead. Um, their season's going to come down to David Price and Rick Porcello, and not even their offense, because they need David Price to be healthy and give them 30 starts, and they need Porcello maybe not to be as good as he was in 2016, because I think that's kind of asking too much but he was not very good last year and Boston is going to be going up against teams that can hit the baseball in the American League East and Sale and Pomerantz isn't enough well um yeah Porcello's a bad idea Porcello is a bad idea but they definitely look um I don't know if you've checked it out but at Baseball Prospectus they put out Pakoda which gives the projected standings of all the teams and where they're going to finish in their division and stuff um, it's got the Yankees right ahead, obviously the Yankees to win the division with 96 runs or wins. And it's got the Red Sox at 87 wins. And that's based, it's got to be based on the team that they have now. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I know that they finished clearly either last in the American League East or, or very close to last in home runs, maybe um, in all of baseball. I believe so, they were second worst in the American League last year. Not yeah. Just the entire league in home yeah. runs. Uh-huh. 
So well, I mean, and I mean, I, I hate to bring it up to you. I mean, I kind of like to bring it up to you because the Yankees got your Red Sox gal. Go ahead. They still miss David Ortiz, Andrea. I like, know that presence, the power, <laughs> the presence, um, and that's why that's why I say Jose Bautista. And I know he's not David Ortiz, but he is that same presence in a lineup. A guy that will take walks. A guy that has a good at bat. No, and um, he's I not anymore. He does I flip a good think, bat. He flips well, a- he does. Well, okay. One thing, though, he takes a lot of walks, though, Andrea, because his average last year was around 200, but his on-base percentage was 100 points higher. So he does take his walks. Yeah, but we don't care about his walking. We don't want him on base. We want – he's got to be the guy that hits the people home. Well, you'd rather have him than a guy that's going to strike out more than he's going to walk. At least Batista's going to take his walks. Okay, but the point is is that the Red Sox need a bomb hitter. <laughs> They need a heavy hitter. They need Nelson Cruz or something. They need J.D. Martinez. But I'll tell you right now, with that kind of attitude, I would be. I'm going to be just. I'm going to be disappointed if the Red Sox sign him, and I'm going to be disappointed if they don't sign him because clearly he's he's the best fit for what the Red Sox need, and I'm not going to take that away from him. But I just can't stand these attitudes. This is why I'm not a manager, okay? Because if I was a manager, everybody would be graded on their attitude and not, you know. Because attitude means a lot to me. I think that it means a lot to a lot of managers, but not quite well, as yeah, much as it's, winning. It's important, but at the same time, if a guy is going to put up the numbers, I don't really care um, that much. Just so you know, for everyone listening still in that mock, um, we are back to uh, fantasy fail. So if someone wants to – oh, never mind. He's already made Hey, check He's this out. One. This is or, interesting. Coming, I just want you to know it's coming back to us. It's, the draft is coming back. Our way shortly. Okay, good. Just took DeJong and Drew Pomerantz. His on base percentage. His on base percentage is certainly okay, but um, so his batting average. He, he. It seems to me that he doesn't. He doesn't hit either well. Okay, he doesn't hit lefties or righty. He really never has had a good batting average. Jose Batista is who we're talking about. He's never really had a, that good of a batting average. But when he hit forty, you know, when he's hitting like a ton of home runs, it's forty home runs, it's, it's easier to look to overlook the batting average problem. But it's getting worse, and um, at 37 it's not definitely not going to be getting any better. I'll give you that. I'll I don't, give you that. I guess there's 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 certainly a lot to be um, there's certainly a lot to be desired from so he's, Bautista at this point in his career. He is telling people in Florida that he is going to hold out until he gets his price. JD Martinez is who I'm talking about now. Uh, basically, this came from John Heyman. Um, he's saying, and and what we do know is that what we don't know is his asking price. What we do know is that he turned down a five-year, $125 million offer from the Red Sox. But basically he's telling people that he's fed up with the Red Sox and flexibility and would rather side with another club. I don't foresee the Diamondbacks giving him that much, but obviously they have a history together and they're old friends. J.D. Martinez in Arizona. That's true. That's true. They are. And I mean, he was incredible last year when he got to Arizona. I think he hit 26 of his home runs in just in just the second half once he got there. They can afford him. I mean, not everybody has the money that the Yankees do, but they could definitely stay under the salary threshold if they get him. It's 118 million is what they're spending now. I don't know how much money they have, but I mean, Zach Greinke is taking up like a third of their of their payroll. Yeah, that that's an expensive contract. And again, I think I mentioned already, 
Goldschmidt's very close to free agency too, and that's the guy you want to lock up. I mean, nothing against J.D. Martinez, but he's no Paul Goldschmidt. The same way that Lomo and Reynolds aren't J.D. Martinez, J.D. Martinez is not even remotely close to as good as Paul Goldschmidt. If they could find a way to get rid of Yasmani Tomas. See, Yasmani Tomas is interesting for fantasy because he was signed for a, a crap ton of money, and the management, all the management has been changed over now. So basically anybody that liked Yasmani Tomas and felt a good reason to sign him for this much money uh, is gone. And Yasmani Tomas is constantly getting in trouble. He doesn't, he hasn't shown any growth in a lot of areas. They got a crowded outfield in Arizona. So what is, you know, what's, what happens with this guy? Well, they say, well, if he doesn't get his shit together, they're going to just write him off as a loss. But when you're paying a guy, you know, $13 million a year, it's, it's hard to write him off. It's hard to just write him off. I mean, the best thing for them would be to go ahead and just hope that he shows growth and play him. I mean, the best way to get rid of him in a trade or anything is to show growth from him and kind of, uh, put him out there on display. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Arizona, but I certainly don't think that they're just going to basically take it as a loss and move on and leave him on the bench. He's got 13 million a year is a lot of money. You think about Paul Goldschmidt, if they want to resign called Paul Goldschmidt, they're paying him 11 million a year already. So What's he going to re- require? Like twenty, probably twice that, right? At least twice that. Uh, I mean, Goldsmith should be able to get at least twenty-five million a year. He's thirty-two. By the next time, by the time his contract ends, he's going to be thirty-one. And I just don't see any teams putting out a hell of a long contract. Although he will get double what he's making now. So if you take away, if somehow you get somebody to take Yasmani Tomas off your hands, a contender or. The guy does have potential to hit power, but who knows if it will ever um, translate. Who knows? He got in trouble in Arizona driving over 100 miles an hour. Got pulled over. Just, yes, Monty. <laughs> All I can say about Goldschmidt is that he's a guy, yeah, he's 29 now, but he's, what, a three-time Gold Glove Award winner. He's been an all-star the past four years. Um He's just as steady as he's just as steady as can be when it comes to just pointing the bat on the ball, driving in runs. Um, yeah, his average has dipped a little bit from when he was hitting in the three hundreds, but uh, I'll take two ninety seven average from him. And he he is his own base percentage has been well over four hundred the last three seasons too. I mean, um, he's he's we know why he's a top five pick in all the fancy drafts oh yeah he seems to me i can't be sure i'm not a doctor i'm not an expert at this but he doesn't seem to me like a guy that's going to age poorly either i think he's the type of guy that you would give that five or six year contract to and actually still feel good about it all i know is that the the diamondbacks are so close they can feel it like that's how close they are to contending and making it to the world series they're like seriously just one player away but of course the loss of jd martinez you, you can't really Unless they sign him again, you can't really compare the team that they have now to last year's team, you know? And it was really good. $34 million is what they're paying Grinky. $34 million every year. Next year it gets bigger, and the year after that it gets bigger, and he's signed through 2021. So I don't want to see them add another contract like Grinky's, you know, because it really um, limits what they can do when when you have some $35 million a year tying you down like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money, but he does anchor that staff. And, I mean, I really like Godley. I love Robbie Ray. Taiwan Walker improved going to Arizona, too. I mean, they have a solid staff and a solid lineup, too. You're right. If they brought back J.D. Martinez, I think they really could be a legitimate contender in the National League. Obviously, the Nats are good. Dodgers are good. Cubs are great. 
Um, we know the Brewers have gone better. We know the Cards have gone better. But uh, right now, I think Arizona and Colorado are kind of on par for that second spot in the NL West and potentially a wild card spot. If the D-backs went out and got J.D. Martinez, that would absolutely vault them ahead of the Rockies and put them a lot closer to the Dodgers. Well, I think there's some question marks in their rotation, obviously, and I think that their closing situation is their bullpen has got some issues. I'm not really sure how good their bullpen is because I don't even know half these guys on here. So um, they got R.G. Bradley for their effector, but he doesn't even really want to be in that in that spot. I think he'd rather be the closer and I don't, I, I really think that it's best if they leave him in the bullpen, but um, they, they have a few holes. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but JD Martinez is a difference maker and that's pretty much that. I mean, we could sum it up, sum it up in that right there. He's the best, obviously the biggest power hitter available. There's a couple teams out there that could really use him. The Red Sox being one of them, but are they going to be willing to pay that much money? I wouldn't, if I were them, I would obviously be doing a lot of math, equations in the office i would be like you know figuring out how much better he actually makes the team than logan morrison is going to make the team and figure out how to address you know their fifth starter well it's you know what it's not even that though because if they sign jd martinez what it means is one of borland or hanley goes to the bench because the other one would be at first base so it's really how much better is jd martinez than either one of those guys and the answer to me is significantly better well okay but here's the thing too hanley's got an option that's about to kick in if he gets over 450 or something close to that at bats and him hiring Lomo would take that problem right off their hands because there's no way in hell that they're going to let Hanley get to the number of at-bats that he needs for that option to kick in. He's just not good enough for them to do it. He doesn't, he's never had a good work ethic. So I can't imagine him all of a sudden having a good work ethic. Yeah. I mean, he never has. And yeah, I think he is the odd man out because also you look defensively more than significantly better than Hanley defensively too. Um, To me, Hanley would be the odd man out regardless of that 450 um, number there. But that's obviously just assuming that the Red Sox are going to get JD. And again, we don't know that they will. The other reason why I have issues with them maybe going after a Duda or a Reynolds or a uh, Lomo is that how, how many thir- first basemen do they want on their roster? They, they can have, have a two. DH. They have DH, though. That's the thing. I know, but one of those guys is going to the DH spot already in Hanley. Or it's Hanley or Moreland. One well, of those first base, one of those I, DH. Yeah, well, if they, got a, if they got another player, Hanley's going to the bench. And that's yeah, all and there is to it. That's a lot of money to sit on the bench, too. But, yeah. It's um, good. It, well, it's fine. It's it's a difficult situation, but yeah, obviously, again, Hanley would be the odd man out. But it looks like we are Hanley right can't hit lefties, uh, so Hanley will go on the bench against lefties no matter what, because all of a sudden he can't hit lefties. So, but Moreland, Moreland's a left-handed hit hitter too. I, but, I mean, I don't, I am not looking at his splits right now, but I would imagine that he is better. Um, He's better versus right-handed hitters, Mitch Moreland, than he is. He's, lefty, he's pretty bad. I mean, he hits two forty all over the place. So it's it's. I don't think it really matters. Like if he's hitting against lefties or righties, he pretty much hits two forty. But it, it, it's another guy that does hit homer. So what? Whatever. But yeah, we'll, well see. His swing, his swing looked a lot better in Texas and for that team than it does in Fenway. I was going to get our podcast down to the underneath because that's what we're. You know, that's our goal is to get the timing down right, and I'm not very good at it. So here we go over again. Yeah, we're, we're, we're barely over, though. So let's wrap it up here. Thanks to all the listeners. I'm Lou Landers. And, of course, I'm with Roto Lady, Miss Andrea Lamont. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we will catch you later. <laughs>